Glad you're with us tonight. Tonight we continue on talking about some thoughts from James. And we're talking about money matters. And so last week, if you were here, you may have remembered. I realize you don't remember, but I want to tell you what I said last week. We are going to look at one passage of Scripture twice. We looked at it last week, and now we're going to look at it this week because there's a lot to say. And since there is no baseball on tonight, I'm probably going to go about an hour and a half. So, no, not really. I'm not going to do that. But tonight we're looking at James, and we've been in the book of James for a while. We're almost finished with it. It's the most practical book, you might say, in all of the New Testament. Every verse just makes sense. The problem is it's just really hard to live. It is really hard, easy to understand and really difficult to live. So in James chapter 5, verse 1 is where we're going to start tonight in just a moment. But many of your Bibles will start with these words, Now listen. You will also see in other versions it says, Come now. In both places, this is really crucial to understand. You remember when you would say or do say to your children, for example, now listen to me, right? When you say listen, you are telling them what they are about to hear is really important. Listen to me. If I have to come down that hallway, right? Listen to me, because what I'm about to tell you, you're going to need. I still get this, actually, because I don't always pay attention when Barbara talks to me, right? So she'll say, are you listening? Listen to this. So what we're about to hear is an extremely important, crucial message from James, the half-brother of Jesus, physically speaking, complete brother of Jesus, obviously, spiritually speaking, and inspired by the Holy Spirit, and this is what he says in James 5, verses 1 through 3. Come now, listen, you rich people. Weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth is rotted, and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have stored up treasure in the last days. Now, what's so interesting to me about this passage of Scripture is when, if you have read the rest of the book of James, he's kind of sweet through everything he says. He's truthful, he's honest, he's kind. But now all at once he's going to come to what is kind of rough words in a way, where he's going to say, now you listen, you rich people, you're going to burn like fire if you don't change what you're doing. Somehow this is really in his craw, as we used to say. This is really under his skin, whatever is going on, whatever he sees happening in the first century church. But I want, you to, I want to say this right in the very beginning. I said it last week. It is not wrong to be wealthy. It is not wrong at all to be wealthy. There are dozens, literally dozens of examples of wealthy people in the New Testament. One of those that I somewhat, sometimes like to talk about, you remember when Peter was in prison and an angel came and helped Peter leave prison? Do you remember that in the book of Acts? And he was able to just walk out and there was a prayer meeting going on in, in, in the house of John Mark's relative. And you remember all that was going on? Well, what we know for certain was that in the city of Jerusalem at the time that the prison was next door to the wealthiest neighborhood in the whole city. Sounds like he walked there and he said, well, how would you know that? Well, that house had a courtyard. Most houses didn't have a courtyard. 
That house had a servant by the name of Rhoda. That house was big enough for the church to meet in and in, for them to have a prayer meeting. All those things lead you to know, just as one example, that some of the folks in the New Testament were people of money, but what you also know they did was they helped with their money. So it's not wrong to be wealthy. And most Americans fall into this category. This is not something where we can point at someone else. You know, everyone except maybe a, a, a Bill Gates or someone like that points at someone else and says, they're the wealthy people, not me, right? But we are wealthy people. All of us are wealthy people in one way or another. To have the opportunities that we have, and, and maybe we could have more than what we have right now if we had enough drive or do have the drive to do that. All of us have this opportunity. So this is not to point the to point the finger at anyone except at ourselves individually. But also understand this, that the blessing of wealth is incredible and wonderful, but we shouldn't use our blessings to curse ourselves. Have you ever stopped to think, and I mean to say this humbly, that we live in the United States. There are all kinds of problems that we know that are here. But we live in a place that is so safe compared to many other parts of the world, not meaning that we don't have problems. To think that I just saw a sign the other day at a Wendy's that was advertising $17 an hour at a Wendy's. Wow, that would, that would that'd take a lot of those square hamburgers, right? And not many today, but it seems like it would. What a blessing. And not only that, now this is where I think some of you might aim in. Not do we just live in the United States. We live in Texas, right? <laughs> you didn't amen. You just smiled. We live, we live in a good place. And not only do we live there, we live in a place where you come to a church like this, you know all kinds of people and, and get to know people. I mean, wow, these are good blessings. These are things not to take, to, 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 to take light of. There are places where just have handfuls of Christians, if any at all, and we have this great big blessing. Did you know tonight, because we've had fall festival, we don't have as many people here tonight. I just went back there and counted. In my count, at least, we had 64 people. The average church in the United States of all types today averages 65. This right here is an average church when everybody's there on Sunday morning in the United States. We had 885 this morning. Do you see what I'm saying? We have incredible blessings, but we shouldn't use our blessings to curse ourselves by, by, by hurting ourselves, by keeping things to ourselves, keeping the gospel to ourselves, keeping our money to ourselves, keeping our talents to ourselves. No, we were called to do something much greater than that. Because as he talks about physical blessings, he's basically saying that most of my things will waste away or do me no good in the end. You know, when my mother died back several years ago, more than 10 years ago now, we went through her things. She didn't have a lot of things. She'd been through some tornadoes. So a lot of things had been destroyed. And because of that, her mind was that she did not keep a lot. But I came home with several things from her house. All but two of those things, as far as I know, 
are in the attic. All those things that were so important. And they seemed like important things. As a matter of fact, if I were to go up in the attic today and open those boxes and look at the things, I'd say, oh, we don't want to get rid of that. We don't want to get rid of that. But what do you do with it? So many of the things that I hold on to, what do I do with them? And so in James chapter 5, he goes on in verses 4 through 6 here. He says, look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who mowed your field cries out. And the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of armies. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and you have indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous who do not resist you. So the problem here, there is a problem with the wealthy here in the book of James. And I would say there's also a problem in whatever country on the planet you want to go to. There is a problem that all of us sometimes deal with or people deal with, and that's that the wealthy had gained by being unjust. We need to make our money justly. We need to make our money in a way that is kind, in a way that is good. We understand competition, but it is not that we're making our money in a way to intentionally hurt someone else, but instead to lift people up. So the wealthy had gained by being unjust. Understand, it is a sin to shortchange another person. It's not a sin to make a good deal. It's okay. To, we all understand the economy we live in where you try to get a good deal, you want to get a good deal, but to trick someone, that's a problem. To shortchange someone that way, that's a problem. You, you notice this uh, picture today is of someone who didn't leave a tip. I don't know why they didn't leave one, but it doesn't look like it's a good thing. God knows when we shortchange people. God knows when we don't treat people the right way. You know, if you're out of town, it's easy to think, well, maybe I don't have to, I don't have to be nice to someone because who would know? I can just leave town or go to another part of town. Who would know? God knows. So there's never an excuse to shortchange another person. Now, I want to, you know, I tell you that my sermons on Sunday nights are more, I don't know if they're like a Bible class lesson or a sermon, so I call them a lerman sometimes. Sometimes, So we're going to come back for just a minute. In that passage that we read, he talked about that people were dying. He said, you have murdered the righteous who does not resist you. Well, who, who died in this passage? I'm really not going to be very helpful in this, okay? Because I'm not sure who died. <laughs> because he doesn't tell us who died. Sounds like, especially from his from his attitude that there is someone specific that died that they know about. But we don't know who that was. But this is what we do know. Our actions can have bigger consequences than we realize. When I don't help someone, I may not realize what that does. Do they not get medical treatment? Do they not eat? Do they not go to work? Does something else happen in their relationships and their marriages because of what I refuse to do? Not because I'm trying to be helpful or good, but because I'm being selfish. What is it that happens? So Paul, or, or excuse me, James is saying here, watch out what you do because your actions have consequences. But here in this passage, it appears it's not what the wealthy did. 
It is what the wealthy did not do. You know, sometimes James will talk, talks about this as well. He talks about the sins of omission. Have you ever heard that phrase before? You have sins of commission, which are sins you commit. And you have sins of omission, those things you just don't do. When I was a young, much younger, I used to worry a lot about sins of omission. Oh no, what have I done? What have I done? And I would just live in this tense place in my mind all the time saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because I'm thinking, what have I not done? What have I not done? This appears to be more than just something you accidentally do and didn't know, while it could maybe apply to that. But it's more the idea of, I'm just going to sit here on my lazy boy and not help someone else. Because I don't want to. And it's not, I'm not upset with him. I just don't want to. Because I would rather do nothing than help. We all need rest. We understand there are days that we need to stay home. But understand what I'm talking about is whenever I decide I am not going to help, there's not a way you could make me help. I'm not going to do anything. So where would this be applied? Where would I apply this passage about the wealthy understanding that I'm the wealthy, applying this to us. Where would it be? Well, it might be with employees. Maybe if you are a boss or you are a manager, it is with your employees. I remember I had a Christian boss back. I had a, I had a job in a store at, for about six months when I was in, in graduate school. And, I, uh, and my boss was a Christian. We had gone to the same university. I mean... Um, we went to different congregations, but, but I knew her whole story. And I remember one time, it was on a Sunday night. I said, is there any way that I can be off on this Sunday night because of a thing happening at church? And I remember she said, no. And I said, why? Could you just tell me why? She said, because I just don't want to. I'd have to go back there in the back room and I'd have to change the schedule and I don't want to. Well, I don't know that that's sin, but it felt a little bit like it. Because you would have to walk 40 yards to the back and change the sign. That's all it would take. And you, would not, you wouldn't do that? Well, maybe that's no big deal. But it felt pretty bad as the employee. I'm so glad that job's over. Let me tell you, the, the $3.35 an hour really wasn't worth it in the first place. But it may be the way you treat your employees. I'm not here to tell you how to do that. I don't know a thing about business. I don't know how you, how you do that. I do think that phrase is very interesting when he talks about the person who mows your field. Wow, that almost sounds like mows your lawn, doesn't it? Treat them in a way that is respectful and with dignity and right. Could be in restaurants. Wow, when I think about a restaurant, are you as confused as I am on when you're supposed to tip and not tip? Boy, I don't know what to do. Whenever you go into a place, you walk up to the counter and you get your food and you clean up your plate, your, your table. Am I really supposed to tip? I don't know. I'm so confused, right? I also know when our daughter Emma, for a short time, when she had this great job coming out of college that just disappeared because of, of covid that she worked as a barista in a coffee shop and she was making minimum wage. And this changed my mind a little bit about things. She made minimum wage. She'd work five or six hours a day because they couldn't hire her full time. 
and often her tips would be seven or eight dollars a day you'd assume they'd be really high and they are in some places she would have worked at another kind of place probably but seven or eight dollars a day because you know who wasn't when she couldn't pay all of her bills you know who was paying her bills <laughs> right so maybe it's in the way that we treat people in restaurants. Maybe, and, and I'm not saying to, to, to do something silly, I'm not here to really give you any guidelines, except to say, think about how we treat people, how we treat the church. It's not just what we put in the coffers of the church, the, the, the memorial church of Christ, but how do we treat church people? With our time and our talents and our treasure. What are we doing? Because it's really easy to sit back and let someone else do it than it is for us to do it. Now, please take this lightheartedly, what I'm about to tell you. I've shared this in Bible class before. Before we moved here, we lived in another place. And I remember that there was a couple that always sat next to us within a, a row or two. I really shouldn't tell you this, but I'm, I'm doing it. And they would always take communion, and then they would leave. And I was this close one time of getting up and saying, excuse me, but the communion cost 17 cents. Could you leave 17 cents, please? Now, I'm not trying to say that everybody needs to pay for their communion. I'm not saying that you need to give tonight. I'm not trying to say that at all. What I am trying to say is we sometimes put in expectation that someone else will do things when we're not doing them ourselves when we could and so it's the idea of just helping people and this isn't just about restaurants it's not just about church it's not just about employees it's wherever i go i should be a person that loves and helps other people now, sometimes money can hurt. We get that too. We understand not just, we don't just throw money at things. But wherever I go, I should be a person that is known for my heart rather than for my, for my good heart rather than my stinginess. There's no place for that in the heart of a Christian. So then it seems like he's changing subjects in James chapter 5, verse 7. But I really think this is all the same subject. This is a lesson for the poor, and it is a lesson for the wealthy about patience. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. God's saying it will rain. Poor folks, you're going to be You're going to be okay. And wealthy folks, you're going to be fine because it's going to rain again and you're going to have another crop. So if you give some away, you're going to have another crop and it will be fine. Poor folks, you're going to be fine because God is going to provide again. It's going to be okay. Sometimes it's so hard, though, because we, we trust ourselves. And, and, and sometimes the issue is we don't trust ourselves. And so therefore, we don't trust God. So my question for us tonight is, how will I help others? And I'm not here to determine that for you. Some of you, I'm sure, do incredibly fantastic, wonderful things that I don't know about and some things I do know about. But what I know is it is a call to all people 
who call themselves follower, followers of Jesus to help other people in the name of Jesus, not to be stingy people, but to be giving people that love and honor other people in the name of Jesus. If you need to be baptized tonight, if you need prayers, whatever it is, come tonight as we stand and sing.